Uh, Jack, Jack, quick moment of your time, please. How does it feel to finally discover the Villa Talks podcast? Mm, best day of my life. Great, there you have it. Back to you at the studio. Hello and welcome to the Villa Talks podcast. We're back again after a brief hiatus, back with a new episode of our new show, The Pre-Match Social. I'm joined by four rather lovely guests today from the VVB football crew. We're going to be coming in week in, week out, previewing every game that we've got uh, from now until the end of the season. We've got AJ, Carl, Jaro and Sam. How are you doing, boys? All good. Good, yeah. Thanks, mate. Good, Thanks. Excellent, excellent. Thanks for joining me, guys. Uh, interesting game against Newcastle coming up. A uh, game that we really need to win. We're going to be previewing the game. We're going to be looking through uh, the game, how the guys think we should line up, how we can beat Newcastle. Uh, I put that out there in the, on our social media channels and most Newcastle fans responded by saying just turn up. So hopefully the guys have got a bit more to their game than that. Um, but we, we will see. This is Aston Villa at the end of the day, so just turning up normally isn't good enough. So uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what they say. We'll see what they what their thoughts are on the game. We'll look at some stats. Uh, we've got AJ, our our stato with us this week. He's going to be going through some key stats uh, about the game, and also uh, look back down memory lane as well. Looking back at some of our favourite memories against Newcastle United, I'm sure there's quite a few. Uh, there quite a few funny ones, quite a few historic ones that we'll run through and uh, and talk about them as well. So, uh, well, without without any further delay, AJ, let's go straight to you, mate. Your your thoughts on the uh, on the game against Newcastle? Uh, well, hoping for a win. Uh, they're they're a poor side at the best of times, and as we'll talk about uh, a little bit when I when I get into the stats of it a bit later. Um, some of their key players are out as well. So, um, you know, we can't expect them to offer very much, I don't think. So for all, we have been uh, not at our best in the last few games. And for all, I think we probably expect to still be without Jack on Friday. Um, I'm still expecting us to win. But note of caution that I was very much expecting the same thing when we went to Sheffield United and uh, obviously we got turned over. So um, nothing is guaranteed, but of any team you might pick to play in the Premier League right now, I think you would probably pick Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yara, last time we played Newcastle, uh, well, it wasn't that long ago, really. Uh, It was a comfortable 2-0 win. We didn't really play at our best uh, but we did the job. Uh, it was quite a professional performance without having to really get into sort of third or fourth gear. Uh, what what kind of Newcastle side do you think we'll face this time round compared to that compared to that one? Um, I imagine more of the same. Newcastle don't tend to vary up their game hugely, do they? Um, Steve Bruce isn't known for sort of tactical dyna- dynamism and you know mixing it up. Um, so I'm fully expecting Newcastle to be just as insipid as they were then. Um, but that insipidness could, could well defeat us if we've been as bad as we've been in some of our recent games. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't recall a huge amount from that, from that two nil win. What Watkins scored right with the header. Um, who was, who was the second goal? Remind me. Traore, right? Yeah, Traore. Good, uh, yeah. good uh, right foot finish, top corner. 
Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, I mean clearly it's not sort of setting my my pulse running trying to recall this game. So um so yeah, but I mean new, I I will say I'm I'm just desperate to win this one cuz cuz um I think any any points taken off you by a Steve Bruce team I think is quite depressing. Um I think I think if I looked at the bottom half of the table, the teams I'm desperate to beat, Newcastle are up there just because of what it says about you if you can't beat them. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, they've got a couple of surprise results recently, but still overall on a on a really poor run. Sam, also Villa have been on a rather average run, let's put it that way, rather than a poor run. Performance-wise, since the Newcastle game, we haven't picked up many points. Uh, we're probably, in terms of form, just above the relegation places in terms of form over that period. Um, we bounced back a while against Leeds. And then since then, we've obviously had the disappointing Lost against Sheffield United and the uh, game, the the classic game of two halves against Wolves. What have you made of, of Villa over the last few weeks, and how do you think we need to improve if we are going to beat Newcastle? Well, I actually think that the um, the approach that we've had since Jack's been injured was is more or less correct. I mean, I, I think we should be setting up to be tough to beat, which we are. We've got an absolutely outstanding defence, and uh, you know it's really good to see. Uh, you know, a back five of, of such quality, really. And, you know, Elmo, I accept it. Elmo's kind of doing doing his best and he's filling in, you know, reasonably well. But, I mean, if Cash was fit, we'd say we've got a really brilliant back five. Without Jack, our attacking intent is blunted. And I think that we really have done enough, potentially, to win those, uh, to win all of those games. Um, and... Uh, it's it's tough because I think we've we've not had the rub of the green at all, and I think you know that's been the case all season. But I wouldn't really be too critical of the way we've we've set up, and I wouldn't be too critical of the fact that um, our attacking prowess has been a bit stunted, if you like. So, you know, I've been disappointed, but you know, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too harsh on on Smith uh, or the players. The sooner Jack comes back, the better, obviously. Um, but I, I wouldn't really change the approach too much. I think we have to think, you know, we're not going to score three or four. I don't think we sh- we're going to be looking at early season expected goals. Let's go there. Our attack will hopefully be able to nick something, but I honestly don't see them troubling our really excellent defence. Carl, if you were Dean Smith, how would you go about approaching this game? Uh, obviously, we're not on the best of best of runs at the moment. Last couple of games... Um, haven't been at the level that we've seen previously. Obviously, we bounced back against Leeds, and then since then we've lost to Sheffield United and uh, had a game of two halves, uh, as the old classic cliche goes, against Wolves. Um, would you take some solace from the first half of, of the Wolves game and try and go again with that team and, and, and sort of just write off the second half, or would you look to make changes and maybe even bring Barkley back in, who hasn't really had too much of a, a say in those games, or, or even maybe Keenan Davis potentially? Um, personally, I'd probably, probably keep the same team. Um, I mean, there's, you, you, there's, there's many arguments for bringing Barkley in. He, he, on his day, he certainly will increase our firepower up front, but he hasn't had many of those, um, when it's been his day recently, he's been fairly poor and he doesn't really offer anything <clears throat> Um, with regards to uh, energy uh, anywhere on the pitch, really. Um, I mean, 
I'm just going to, I'm going to, obviously I'm bringing Jack into the team on Friday because he'll definitely be fit. Uh, and I'll bring Cash in at right back and yeah, just go with that. Um, I, I, you know, defensively we're, we've still, we've still been very, very good, even in this average run of form. Um, but we've, we've missed Jack massively and I don't think any, we have anything in the squad that's going to make up for that. Um, I certainly wouldn't be looking at bringing, um, Davies into the starting eleven, but I would possibly consider using him a bit earlier um, as a change, which is probably the one my one main criticism of Dean Smith um, is that he, uh, he mid game he struggles to to change things if it's not going our way. Yeah, and it's something we've mentioned on this on this pod previously um, a number of times is. The lack of impact from the bench and the lack of uh, impact from Dean Smith when it comes to in-game management. Um, part of it is potentially him being quite rigid um, and quite stubborn in his team selection and, and really to the to the betterment of the team. I think overall he's got a bit of consistency there. But also I think he doesn't really have the, the tools there at his disposal on the bench where you have players coming in who are able to make an impact. Um, now, obviously, we've had Barkley on the bench the last couple of games. You would expect him to be able to make an impact um, with Jack missing, but it hasn't really happened. But regardless of that, AJ, I think you know really we should have too much for Newcastle. A Newcastle team not in not in good form as well. You would you would hope so, and in a way, you know, Newcastle are so poor going forward. There is an argument that says, do you need that extra defensive? solidity that you you get from playing the three in midfield or or is it the sort of game where actually um we could uh throw Barkley into the mix but I, I think that the concern with Barkley's form has been uh, he's he's never really been one to contribute hugely defensively in his whole career and, and even early in the season when he was creating chances and and so on he, he, he didn't make a huge defensive contribution then either that the, the issue with his form currently is that he's not really been making any sort of offensive contribution and he's been giving the ball away a lot and you know it was his error that led directly to uh for all Martinez made a, a good save Cody should score that chance uh at the end and pretty much if it fell to any other Wolves player on the pitch um apart from maybe Saez who Saez, missed, an yeah. <laughs> he missed an even better chance um you know, we'd have lost the game because of that, and it, and it's those sorts of things that you know. Do you want to take those those risks? The, the other thing I think we just need to watch out for as well. Um, Yarek said that uh, Bruce isn't known for his tactical innovation, and overall that's true. Uh, but since Wilson's injury, they have been experimenting with a false nine. So Almiron was playing in that role uh, before he got injured. And then um, they've been uh, trying uh, Ryan Fraser uh, since Almiron got injured. And I think they have had some success uh, doing that. For all, they haven't really created much. I think if you look at the, uh, in terms of actual goals and results, if you look at the chances they've created in that period, you know, they had something like um, 18 shots against Wolves, I think, when they played when they played them. Um, so uh, I think that's something for us to be aware of because obviously that false nine dropping in and creating the extra mid- midfielder and that is something we've struggled with uh, when there's overloads in the in the middle of the park and it's also something where 
Um, you know, players dropping off and playing in between our lines at times has been a problem uh, as well because our centre-backs don't like to come out and follow players out. Um, so I think that is something we need to be aware of. And I, I think probably for me would mean I, I, I wouldn't start Barkley. I would stick probably uh, with the midfield three that we had in the last game. Yeah, I mean, that, that midfield three, especially first half, seemed to work quite well, um, I thought. Um Louise there sitting. Um, we played obviously much better on the ball with him. Um, he's much better passing than the likes of Nakamba. Obviously, you miss out on the Camber's defensive abilities, but I think against Newcastle, you probably don't need it, as we've said previously. Uh, I thought Sanson actually had a fairly good game, uh, his first start for, for Villa, and, and I thought he was energetic and, and did fairly well. Um, albeit, obviously, he got injured, and, and I think we really lost a bit when he when he went off and, and Barkley came on. Jaro, would you would you go the same? And what do you think of, of of Sanson's performance? Do you think he deserves another 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 go at starting again? Yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, t- typical that uh, I thought the one solid ground that I'd be on would be slagging off Steve Bruce, and AJ manages to to, to point me out wrong. Um, yeah, I did not know about this false nine development. So um, yeah, maybe I'll be eating my words tomorrow. Um, but yeah, Wolves game. Um, Sanson, yeah, I mean, functional uh, without without being um, without being sensational, perhaps. Um, but um, but that was perhaps the whole whole team. Um, I mean, the Wolves game. I think the one thing I'd say about it. Um, I mean, if for if for example, when we were when we'd just been thrashed by Leicester last season and we were in the bottom three, and we all thought we were we were going down. If someone had just sort of shown you a, a flash of the future and they'd just shown you that Wolves game. Uh, you'd be like, excellent. We're still in the Premier League. We're we're holding, we're improving on our results this season um, by by holding Wolves to a draw, um, and you know we look like a fairly solid unit. Um, so yeah, it's the kind of result that if you'd have been offered it last year, you'd, you'd gladly have taken it. What's happened since though is our sort of expectations have kind of uh, been driven up by that sensational start to the season. Um, so. Um, so yeah, that was my main takeaway from from Saturday. Um, in terms of the 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 midfield, yeah, yeah, I'd I'd be inclined to for Sanson to keep his place. Um, yeah, I, I I like the I like the look of him for now, and uh, yeah, let's see let's see where he gets on. Sam, one area that we've seemed to really struggle with uh, of late since the well since the Newcastle game really uh, a, f- a couple of months ago is that those forward positions, especially with Jack out, um, we don't seem to be creating many chances. Um, or, or to the same level that we were before, would you look to maybe change up those sort of four or three positions, maybe alter the wingers um, or maybe even switch formations? Would you, would you make, make make any changes around around the forward positions at all? Yeah, it's a great question. I think that, um, you know, one of the things that would make the answer a bit easier is if we had a number nine that we actually trusted other than Watkins. Because if we had a number nine that we trusted other than Watkins, and I think it's quite clear that Davis isn't trusted by Smith. I mean, I, I must admit, I've fallen into the trap myself in previous games of thinking, you know, why can't we get Davis on another another box, another uh, body in the box? And then he comes on and he just looks off it. Now, you know, give the lad a break. He hasn't played much football. Uh, you, you know, it's probably going to take him a little while to play his way into, uh, you know, having the 
the sureness of the first touch and, and and perhaps understanding the patterns of play or what have you. But I think if we're honest, he's looked poor when he and and just not not of the quality when 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 he's uh, come on in those little cameos. Now, if we had a nine, you can play Watkins wide. And that obviously gives you a bit more of the threat that Jack can carry with his ball carrying and, his, and with his pace and ability to get uh, in behind. So, you know, I think I think it is a big issue. Like you say, um, Traore can you can have a moment of magic. He almost scored goal of the season a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, and I love that kind of um, you know mercurial nature that he has. But equally, you, if he has an off day. It looks poor when it goes out wide, and and we're not that great at playing, you know, through the middle like a sort of uh, Man City. So I do think it's a key problem, and I think that um, perhaps when Wesley comes back, although I'm not convinced he's going to be able to make much of an impact for a good few weeks yet, maybe that will help. But you know, uh, that remains to be seen. Uh, the other th- problem I think we have is, you know, we've tried to use Barkley from the bench. Now, if I'd have said to you at the start, you know, as Yarrow said, let's look at the Wolves game. If I'd have said to you, we're bringing on Barkley from the bench as an impact sub, you'd have gone, bloody hell, that's good. You know, but actually he came on and I don't know what exactly he was told to do, but I don't know if you all noticed. He kept coming deep. He kept coming deep to get the ball. So he's, he's taking the ball off the centre-halves. And I'm sure, I'm sure he would have been told by Smith and Terry and Shakespeare, you need to get in the pocket. That's where we'll hurt them. Get the ball in the pocket and look to play the ball into the channel and, and get in behind them. He wasn't doing that. He was coming deep. And, you know, I think Mings was looking at it and thinking, I don't want to be giving you the ball here. And I think Mings was right to, to think that. So there's an element of, I'm not sure we I, really I, I just, know how to so, use that. Just pick it up on them. Yes, Yarrow. Sorry, Sam. I was just going to say, just pick it up on what, what uh, AJ was saying earlier, the moment with Barkley where he played the back pass that nearly that nearly let yeah. them in. I mean, imagine if that had gone in. Imagine the, the hate Barkley would be getting from, I mean... It was it was it was bad enough when he'd had a couple of off games and we won them. Yeah. <laughs> um, if if he'd have if he'd have given that away, sorry, I just thought. No, yeah. I, I think agree. The thing I with speak. that, it, it was a bad touch, but actually he was intending to play it back in that direction. Like it it wasn't like the the, the issue was it was not his touch really. The issue was it was just an appalling decision to make in that area of the pitch because he was trying to lay it off back to I don't know who it was target or whoever it was. It was a, a just really bad decision making. I think that's a, that's a key difference for Barkley, actually, uh, looking back at the season so far. Obviously, the early part of the season, what Barkley was doing well was making the right decisions, um, whether it was to take someone on, make the right pass, uh, whatever it was, you know, he was making the right decision more often than not. Whereas now, I do think he's making the wrong decision time after time. And whether that's from confidence or whether that's just him being inconsistent, I don't know. But, you know, it, it's definitely... Well, the difference between him and say Jack, you know, whereas Jack often makes the right decision and really the difference between good and great players is that decision making. That's the key. That's the difference maker. And Barkley really has been struggling uh, of that as late and probably why he, you know, may not be signed permanently next season. Probably why this sort of season for him is going to maybe fall down and fall by the wayside. Yeah, I think, I think that's part of it. Um, I think, an aspect of that is a lack of sharpness. So, you know, decisions that he's making, if he was as sharp as he was at the start of the season, might have come off for him. And now, because he's not as sharp, he'll make a decision to knock it, you know, into the, knock knock it a yard and try and get after it. And he's, and, 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 you know, the ball, the ball's being cut, cut out or he's being closed down. And I think that with sharpness, being able to take a few more risks will come off for him and he'll start to look a player again. I think, you know, as has been well documented and discussed in various social media, 
The difficulty is we haven't got the luxury of allowing him to play himself back into fitness when he's already had six or seven games. Um, but yeah, I, I do feel, you know, it's a, it's a problem. Um, but yeah, just to go back to your point about the wide areas, I think El Ghazi comes back in if he's fit and Jack isn't, um, for sure. Um, on the right-hand side, I think Triore is the is the kind of best option. Going for a kind of um, going for a Davis nine and Watkins wide, I might have called for that before, but since it, but it, now I just don't think it's an option. Something that's been picked up by our by our listeners actually in the, in the comments, and I, I want to pick out a couple of comments just to, just to highlight that point. It's around our ability to vary our attacking play, vary the way that we play and, and having a plan B ultimately and whether that's a, a short-term fix with the players that are available at this present time or whether it's more of a long-term fix um, remains to be seen. But just to give you an example, um, you know, Boise, one of our regular listeners said, uh, well, firstly, on the, on the, in terms of the team that he would pick, he would say he would keep it unchanged from apart from the, the left-wing slot unless Algarz is back, then he would come straight back in, obviously Grealish. Uh, being fit, uh, well, depending on whether Grealish is fit, um, obviously he would come in as well. Um, but he actually said, you know, this present time, we're 40 points, we're relatively safe. He's asked whether starting someone like Philogene Bedes uh, would be an option. You know, we've got nothing to lose. Um, you know, we can go for the win. We're not going to get relegated. Why not give the youth a chance? Why not give someone like that a chance? And Gary H. Villa as well also picks out a similar point um, saying, you know, nice to have a plan B off the bench, uh, actually make a difference uh, and changes the game flow. Obviously, Barkley hasn't been able to do that. And if plan A is not working, then, you know, try and do something slightly different to to what's uh, been working for us in the past. Uh, And he said he generally can't recall a game changing sub that we've made apart from maybe Jonathan Codger against Rotherham back in April 2019 in, uh, in the championship years. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it. I suppose a lot of it depends on whether the reason we don't have a plan B at the moment, whether that <clears> is because we don't have the players to play a different system or whether Dean Smith is kind of stuck in this, albeit very successful system that's worked for him. Um, it depends if it is if it is players and obviously going forward, he, he can he can consider this plan B and, and he'll have to recruit into it. I don't think, I mean, I don't think, Personally, and I'm always one for chucking in uh, a youngster, um, but I don't. I, 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 a, I don't see Dean Smith doing it, and and B, I kind of feel like we still have something to to lose. Uh, I, I mean, or or something that we could still gain. We can't rule out that we could get into the European places yet. I mean, it'd be ridiculous to rule that out. Um, you know, we don't look like it's going to happen with Grealish out of the side, but with Grealish in in our side, there's there's no reason that we 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 can't beat every team that we play. I'm not saying I'm suggesting we're going to win every game, but there's we've not looked out of place against any team this season. Um, so I don't I, I don't think we're at the stage where we can chuck youngsters in at the moment. I'd love there to be a plan B. Every every game I um, or every game we're not doing well, I'm I'm screaming for us to have a plan B. But I, I do think it is a longer term um, solution, and we need to find out. I mean, Dean Smith will need to decide whether he wants a change in system because he doesn't at the moment. He changes midfield up a little bit, like he'll move maybe two further forward and one back, or if we're winning, bring one of them back. And uh, so 
and and again, I don't know whether that's because of his um, of what he likes to do tactically, or he doesn't think we have the players to change it. Um, Wesley was in training, um, so you know it's still going to be a long way off, I imagine, before he gets any game time. Um, and he was slightly off the pace um, when he was when he was in the team um, before. So. I, you know, I'm a bit worried about what he'll be like after this long injury. I, I still have hopes for him because he looked decent when he was on it. But, um, you know, and then you could revert to the, um, I mean, it's not really a changing system, but I would play Watkins on the left and then uh, a good centre forwards um, down the middle. But um, I think it's difficult to do at the moment. But going forward, I, yeah, I, I, I think we do need a plan B because... You know, just slight tactical uh, switch around of the midfield three doesn't really change much. All right, let's uh, let's focus on Newcastle now and and look at them as an opposition. And uh, I'll put a tweet out there regarding you know how we beat Newcastle and and actually quite a lot of Newcastle fans piped up and and you can sort of sense the general negativity towards Bruce and the team and how they're feeling at the moment. Quite similar to us, I imagine, at the end of the. Bruce's tenure uh, when we were in the championship. But just to you know, just to give you an example, you know. I've had loads of messages saying, you know, if you want to beat Newcastle, just turn up. That's about it, really. That's all you need to do. Um, I've had another one from uh, another Newcastle fan saying, just send Grealish and a keeper. Any keeper will do. We don't usually get that far up high at the pitch anyway. Personally, I'm expecting a drubbing 5-0 Villa. Well, I mean, like I've said before, I think Villa need to do more than just turn up. But it shows you the general negativity um, Is Is a 20, is this 20% fit Grealish okay? Like... <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure a 20% Grealish is more than enough for for Newcastle in their current state. But let, let's move on now to our to our stats segment, our weekly segment. AJ, our stats guy, our Stato, Stato, give us a breakdown of uh, of Newcastle, then, please. All right. Uh, well, first of all, they've won twice in their last 18 games in all competitions, so that is not a particularly good uh, record and obviously in that circumstance you would be hoping uh, you are not the third in 19. Um, So yeah, they're just not winning games. They've all season struggled to score goals. So they've only scored 27 goals uh, all season. So that's literally exactly one goal per game. But the big issue for them at the moment is when you look at the three three injuries that they've got to... um, uh, to Callum Wilson, uh, to uh, San Maximin and to Almiron. Of those 27 goals, Wilson has scored 10 and assisted five. Um, uh, San Maximin, despite only making 12 starts this season because he's had injuries all season, he's got two goals and, and three assists. And Almiron's got four goals and one assist. So their three most creative players, despite having struggled to create all season, are out. So even if those three players were were fit, then you know then it's not like they're scoring loads of goals. But with those three out, you do start to wonder where are their goals going to come from? You know, when you're relying on Joel Linton for your goals, then uh, you're not going <laughs> to you're not going to get many of them, are you? Uh, so for all, obviously, we've got Jack out, and he's contributed 16 goals for us, but that's nothing like the share of our overall goals um, uh, that uh, it's the equivalent of us being missing Triore, Jack and Watkins going into a game that, in terms of the proportion uh, of their creativity that's that, that's missing. Um, 
they also concede an awful lot of goals. So they've conceded 44 goals this season, 1.6, 1.6 a game. Uh, only West Brom have a worse defensive record than them at home. Uh, so, uh, you know, going into an away match at Newcastle, you've got to be pretty hopeful. Um, and also, and we're very familiar with this, having suffered uh, Steve Bruce teams uh, for a long time. Again, they just don't see much of the ball. So they've averaged 39% possession this season. Again, only West Brom are worse uh, than that as well so yeah they don't they don't see a lot of the ball uh, for, for context we're somewhere around 50% we're about 48% on the season so you know we're not by any stretch one of the big possession sides but I would certainly hope to see us have more of the ball than Newcastle do um, another thing that was interesting that I looked at was their pressing which actually uh, what was most interesting about that was when I looked at it in the context of our pressing because actually, overall, they have pressed the ball more than us um, and a similar amount in the final third. So much like when Bruce uh, was managing us, uh, they're not going to trouble you when you've got the, when, you know, when Mings of Consul got the ball, they're not going to be pressing us high up the field, which is probably good news for us because that's something we struggle with uh, a lot. But when you do start to get into their uh, area of the pitch, their defensive third especially, then then they will start um, they will start to press uh, a little bit. But interestingly, they have the worst uh, pressing success in the, in the entire league. So, so uh, they only uh, not surprising with John Joe Shalvey pressing for you in your team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So twenty. 25% of their presses uh, are successful. Um, uh, with contrast with, interestingly, Brighton are the most successful with 33% uh, success. So that's the kind of two extremes uh, at either, either end of the, of the league. But what's interesting, uh, I think, on that is there's been a lot of talk about us being pressing. And there was that stat earlier in the year that said we were the only team that was pressing more than last season. But of course, pressing more than last season doesn't mean we're pressing a lot. Uh, and we're not. Actually, our stats are not that different from, from Newcastle's. Um, we're pressed less overall than them uh, and only slightly more than them in the in the final third. We're a bit better at it, but not a lot. Our success rate is uh, 28%. Um, so uh, I, think, but the, I think there's different ways to skin a cat. And actually, if you look at West Ham, they've got a very similar record. They don't press very much. And both us and West Ham have been exceptional defensively so I think this just shows that actually if you just look at raw stats on their own they don't give you the whole picture because if you just look at the pressing stats we're very similar to Newcastle but actually we're very successful in the way we we do that we also make very few tackles only Arsenal who never tackle anyone and haven't for about 20 years um, have fewer tackles uh, this season uh, than us uh, uh, as well. But that's because of the way we defend, because we stand off, because we pick off interceptions, because we sometimes, perhaps more than we would like, but we're allowing people to have the ball out wide and, and cross it in because we know Mings and Consul are going to deal with it. So I think it's in some interesting uh, similarities in the way that we don't press but then the way we organize defensively we're just far more effective at, at keeping goals out uh, than than they are um as well another interesting stat that i came up with um which uh, i didn't even know anyone was counting is uh the uh number of megs uh that we've achieved uh, this season so who do, who do you think is our chief uh number one megs Traore. 
Uh, Watkins. Triore. Triore with uh, five megs. I was quite surprised to learn that Jack has zero megs for the year. So that is. Uh, uh, oh, I don't know if that. Well, yeah, that's true. Not sure it counts really because it was a it was a pass rather than a, a normal megs, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah I don't know if it not, counts. I think a meg. Yeah. I think oh. they might be counting keeping control of the ball after you've megged them as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, right. I hadn't even thought of that though. Um, Yarrow, that's a good. That's a good. Is this, is this yeah, successful not... megs, AJ? Oh, yeah, it's I think just so. Meg. Uh, is there another stuff for unsuccessful six, megs? Because I'd, I'd like, I'd like to see his top of that. Successful megs. So we'll keep an eye on that for the rest of the season. And I think <laughs> there's not much. There's not much we would say that Jack needs to improve on. But I want to see at least a couple of megs uh, in the column for Jack by the end of the season. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Let's keep that as a regular spot on the show. Then uh, megs watch, we can call it. Keep an eye on. Uh, Who's doing well and not so well on the on the Megs front? Who's got top Megs in the league? I don't know. I only looked at it for us, but I'll I'll bring that one next time. Come on, you won job. <laughs> oh, it's the first time I've ever seen it, so you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Bloke's um, just given us like sixty-five stats in a row, and it's like, can we have more <laughs> stats, please, mate? I, think, I don't know if it's um, if it's conscious or not, but you know, early in the season, we did seem like we were pressing high at the pitch. Watkins was obviously a complete menace for any back four or back three. Um, now our approach to defending seems to be let them have the ball and allow Concer to do the sort of Jedi mind stuff once they get to the kind of uh, <laughs> D. And, and, and that seems to work quite well. Um, but yeah, there, there definitely seems to be a change in the way that we're defending for sure. I saw that uh, Cons is being uh, rumoured to be called up to the uh, latest England squad, uh, although it did come from uh, ever-reliable uh, Sun newspaper, so I'm not sure about that one. But mm. Yeah, he's, one thing he, I wanted to amazing. mention on, on that was, because uh, I did have a look at, at Conza when they were, they were talking about that, and obviously his uh, defensive stats are, are, are excellent, although, again, it's interesting because makes very few tackles because like Paul McGuire used to be he's just in the right place so he doesn't have to tackle you he just takes it off you without without a tackle um but defensively he's obviously excellent but I think where he might be limited when it gets to the international level is his distribution because uh when you look at his passing stats uh relative to other center halves in the league uh they are um uh you know they are pretty poor I think he's in the bottom 10% of passes uh, attempted um uh so uh, I think, you know, part of that's the way we play and, you know, the, he's not progressing the ball much because he tends to be giving it left or right and then it's it, it's Mings or one of the fullbacks that, that moves it forward. But I do think, uh, you know, he's still young and he might add that to his game. But at that top international level, whether that um, lack of kind of distribution, which is expected of centre-halves these days, um, is going to be an issue for him, it, it might be. Yeah, it's a weird one with that. I think um, you obviously do rely on Mings a lot to to distribute from the back. You know, he's excellent that sort of ground pass along the floor, uh, going through the midfield, the opposition, and, and obviously we play a lot from the left as well with Jack there normally on the left. So a lot goes through that way. Uh, so Konza probably doesn't get that much of an opportunity to to make those passes forward, and and even then, you know, Cash there's on the right hand side who does does try and start our balls over the top or the balls directly to Watkins or Trore to, to knock on and, and play from play from higher up the pitch. So it's a bit of a weird one with Konza. Maybe it's a case of him not having the ability or maybe it's a case of him not having the opportunity. I, I have seen him on occasion bring the ball out from the back and do well and, and sort of run past players and, and do that well and confidently. So I don't think he's not, I don't think he's terrible on the ball. I just think he uh, is maybe sort of 
something in the area of the game it needs to maybe develop a bit more and maybe have a bit more opportunity to do so um but yeah you know still uh potentially a great great chance for him to be called up to the england squad and, and, and fully deserved based on his current form let's move on to to some of our memories then of, of newcastle games of, of the past um i'm sure there's plenty of games that you guys uh remember and and one game springs to mind straight away which i'm sure one of you guys will, will mention but let's talk about some of those games some of those memories some of those historic moments as well and uh and yara let's start with you mate what, what, what's your uh what's your best memory or most uh obvious memory of, of new playing newcastle united mate i've only got three words for you bow your dire fight that's the, 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 the i was the, there i was the, there were you there you were there yeah, in the I flesh brilliant. i mean there is there is there is no better villa newcastle i, I you know the, the the relegation day i think i think we'll remember with comic fondness um largely because of the very sensitive reaction from newcastle fans afterwards um but uh but yeah no the the boya dire fight is just one of the funniest things to happen in football i mean the fact that we won 3-0 was pretty hilarious um that wasn't right, even the funniest thing in the game yarrow steven taylor steven taylor steven taylor yeah yeah <laughs> steven taylor and the sniper uh if you still put steven taylor sniper into youtube it's the top result you know uh, <laughs> um yeah um, sam what was the sure where else you'd be searching for if you put that into youtube to be honest i'm sure that would be the uh obvious number one pick surely no yeah, I'd hope I'd hope nothing ever overtakes that. Otherwise, is in serious trouble. <laughs> well, that's a very common name. There might be snipers by the name Stephen yeah, Taylor. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Sam, I was going to ask you what was what was the Boya Dyer scene like from the stands? Because because uh, could did you figure out what was going on? Could you? Well, no, it was uh, it was odd because obviously I was I was caught ball watching as usual, and then there was a, <laughs> bit, of a bit of a murmur. And then uh, people started cheering, and I'm thinking, "What? We're miles away from the goal here. What's going on? Why is everyone <laughs> getting so excited?" Uh, and then we, uh, someone pointed out what was going on, and it was just absolutely surreal. Um, I thought Gareth Barry did a, an admirable job trying to split them up when he must have been quite tempted to God give him a slap. Um, but uh, yeah, he got he got in between them, uh, Gareth and. Um, uh- See that fake apology or fake uh, making up they did as well, where they had to make take a a photo with Bobby Robson outside the training ground, pretend that they liked each other now. Yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah, the last time we won at St James's Park, I think. Is that right? We don't well, won up there since then. I was there another time, uh, about a year later, I think, when, um, or maybe it was a year before. I'm not sure, but it's another really memorable uh, game. If I can't remember the date, but I can remember the game. Um, when it was it was one nil to them, and then we we made it one all with a r- very rare Gavin McCann, and then we had a late Penno, and uh, Gareth Barry, Mister Reliable, skied it. I mean, it was unbelievable. It must have been th- six foot over the bar oh, as yeah. well. It was a ridiculous penalty, um, but we ought to have got the points that day. Isn't it some ridiculous view for away fans as well? St James's Park, really high up, so you can barely see the uh, any of the players. Yeah, it's nosebleed stuff, and it's um, and also like obviously you know. I'm not saying I'm the most fit person in the world, but the, the halfway up the stand, there's a, a you know massive gathering of uh, you know fat guys just saying, "Oh, we can't. I'm not sure we're going to make it. Not going to make it." <laughs> I think they do all get up there in the end, but there's no lift. Put it that way. There's no escalator, and some of the lads from Birmingham saw, really, um, really struggle to get up there. I saw uh, someone trying to recreate it. Uh, they did a picture and they basically put their laptop live streaming the game at the bottom of their stairs. And then they were sat at the top of the stairs saying, we can't be at Newcastle, but yeah, we're recreating the old experience. It? Was it? Yeah. Does I suppose remember, you have to have a uh, sense of humour as a Wolves fan. 
Does yeah. everyone remember Alan Shearer? Alan Shearer on the bench as well. We got didn't we get Bobby Robson sacked um, that one time? Wasn't it Hullet that did that? Wasn't it Hullet that uh, put him on the uh, on the bench and there was massive uproar from the Geordie fans? Oh, was it Hullet? Because Bobby Robson did the same thing, and I thought Robson. Or was it Robson? Was it Sooners? I don't know. A, a Newcastle Robson uh, manager uh, put Shearer on the bench. I think we won. I think it was O'Leary time, maybe, uh, or O'Neill. Uh, it was definitely Hullet who kept him on the bench, wasn't it? I think. Hullet did it the first time, and then I think I think the same sin was committed by a subsequent Newcastle manager and got the sack in the same way that Hullet did. And I think it I think it might have been Sir Bobby. Was it was it Newcastle where um, Boomer scored a right foot screamer from outside the box? I say a screamer. It took a massive deflection and crawled. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, great goal. Carew got a hat-trick of the yeah. other three goals, I, I, I Yeah, I still remember Boomer's uh, right foot screamer. I, I remember it well, yeah. I remember an early home game under O'Neill. We beat them 2-0. Uh, and, you know, when O'Neill took over, it was uh, it was a great example of somebody taking over a squad that looked kind of tired and, you know, just beaten. And actually being able to get a bit of a tune out of them. You know, he really galvanised them when he came in. And, uh, yeah, we beat them 2-0. And I've never felt such optimism as a Villa fan uh, watching that match and thinking, this bloke is going to take us somewhere. And, you know, he did. Yeah, Moscow. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I remember that 2-0. Um, I'm pretty sure that Angel and maybe Luke Moore scored. It was a really good home performance. Yeah, I think Luke Moore scored from the edge of the box left foot. And then I remember Gabby running through the middle and then laying on for Angel, who rounded the keeper and scored. And uh, really comfortable victory. Yeah, I remember that well. Uh, a couple of Newcastle memories for me. One, uh, when we played them, the game immediately after Keegan left. Uh, I was a season ticket holder of those days and that was a lot of fun singing to them that Keegan was playing golf and where's your Messiah gone and all that sort of stuff. They've hated us ever since that day, I think. Uh, obviously, the year we sent them down. And then even when we were terrible and they thought they were going to get revenge and send us down, we managed to nick a draw and that pretty much relegated them with us. Yeah, so it, it was we, even, <laughs> we even denied them the joy of, of their revenge. And then one other memory, which is pretty hazy because it was fairly early on in my Villa supporting career, and it might be a Shearer memory rather than a Newcastle memory because he may have still been at Blackburn. But I remember Paul McGraw absolutely marking him out of the, out of the game. And there was one particular moment where... Uh, and I, again, I might have exaggerated how amazing this was in my memory, but I remember a long ball coming up uh, towards the two of them. And rather than challenge him, uh, McGrath just st- held his ground while Shearer's trying to back into him, let the ball drop over him and then kind of flicked it away behind him, then motioned to his back pocket to the whole end. It was absolutely magical. Um, it may it may be an invented memory, but... Uh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I've got. I have got a memory of it. The Bobby Robson thing isn't an invented memory. I looked it up. O- August two thousand and four, we beat Newcastle four uh, two, and Sir Bobby put Shearer on the bench, and then was sacked not long afterwards. Um, do you a- a- any guesses on the scorers in our four two victory? Was it at St James's? No, 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 at Villa Park. Who was the Who was the manager? O'Leary, O'Leary, August two thousand and four. Larson got one. Angel. Uh, Angel got the last one, yeah, 82nd minute. Angel, uh, no, he oh, did crouch. Barros, uh, none of those people, no, I don't think anyway. You said a few names at the same You want to you said Barros, and one of you said Crouch, uh, uh, no, but Hendry did get booked. Yeah, surprise, <laughs> Barry, Who did Barry, you say was Barry, manager? O'Leary. Oh, balls. I thought he okay, says, so... says O'Neill. I was in a completely different era. 
No. Hitzelsberg. Hitzelsberger. Uh, no, Hitzelsberger played though. Um, no, uh, legend, Villa legend defender. Malberg. Mel- Melberg scored the first. And then the other one, I think, was a new signing at the time. And I think this made it two and two for his loan spell, which I think ended at about three and 20. Uh, Carlton Cole. Carlton Cole. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. I watched his debut. It was brilliant. On he scored debut. two, didn't he, on his debut? Yeah, Southampton. He scored one against Southampton and, and then one in this Newcastle game. Oh, okay. the, the, the... He looked phenomenal, though. Southampton again, wasn't it? it yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. One last memory, and it was at St. James's Park. Um, or not one last one, you, you, you might have more. Um, but for me, is um, Dwight York's hat trick in a 4 3 defeat, which was, um, which was, I think, the best performance from a player in a losing team I've ever seen. He was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, but how many times did he hit the post, eh? How many times did he hit the post? That's mm. what I mean. As many as Watkins, I don't think. Seven, is it? I think. Most in Europe or something like that. Yeah, if, if AJ was doing his job properly, he'd have told us that himself. The stat I was that focusing on Newcastle stats. It's and, more. And it's Mex. more than. Um, it's more than half of Europe's clubs like that. That hitting the woodwork stat. Watkins. Has. Um, I have got a. I have got a Meg's watch update. If you would. Uh, if you would like it before we sign yes, off. Yes, please. Uh, so the the leading Megser in in the league is miles ahead of anyone, and that is Marcus Rashford with fifteen. Ooh. So he is the, he is the Megs king. Uh, Luckman is in second place with eight. Uh, so that's how far ahead Marcus Rashford is. Nearly nearly twice as many as the the second place. So Triore's five is a joint tenth uh, position, uh, which isn't which isn't bad. Um, one thing to keep an eye on: Mason Mount is on six. So that's another thing for you know <laughs> for Jack watchers. Uh, that's the sort of thing. That's what sort of thing Southgate. Yeah, he's not going like to be Megs, calling though, that is out. He? He's going to be calling that out. I'm looking for someone in midfield who's delivering more megs per game than than Jack. Mason Mount will no doubt call it nuts. Is it it nuts or megs? Oh, it's megs. It's megs, isn't it? Everyone knows that. But does someone, do people actually say nuts? Yeah, in the South, Yarrow, believe it or not, they they call it as nuts. Come on. Right, right. Before we, uh, we, we finish off then, let's get your predictions. AJ, you first, mate. Go for it. Uh... 2-0 2-0 Villa, uh, if no Jack. 4-0 Villa, if Jack plays. Yarrow? Got to be expecting a clean sheet for this one, haven't you? Uh, I'm going to say 3-0 with two late goals, including one from Keenan Davis. Wow. Big shout. Big, Ooh. big shout. Sam? 0-0. If Jack plays, 1-0. Wow, big difference. Mr. Op- Mr. Optimistic there. <laughs> yeah, as always, Sam. Carl, I've got a feeling I know what you're going to say, but go for it. 27-0. <laughs> 27 nil. Excellent. Away Excellent. win. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, who's who's going to get the goals? Watkins scores uh, 20... Uh, no, Watkins scores 15 of them. Yeah. Uh, each other outfield <laughs> player gets one. <laughs> uh, Martinez gets two both from headers from a corner and uh, a Kieran Clark own goal wait is that, oh, that oh, AJ Clark yeah, did we, did we get, yeah. <laughs> yeah one of one of, one of Martinez's goals ruled out by VAR <laughs> go on, get it in the bin get it in the bin VAR <laughs> have you checked okay, with William, William Hill on your odds Carl um, no they, they won't they won't take my bet <laughs> They they know it's coming. They know it's coming. Surprising. You try every week. We surprising. Weirdly enough, the the closest I got this season was a Liverpool game at home. Didn't expect that. 
Only 20 out. Yeah, but, I mean, it's usually more than 20, isn't it? Plus the Liverpool mm. too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, add them on to ours, though, and we're, you know... <laughs> Why, why would you add them to us? Well, why would you what, add them to us? Watkins hit the post ten times, for God's sake. <laughs> it, could have, well, it could have been easily been 10-11-0, that game. Easily. Oh, sorry, 10-11-2, sorry. That game. But yeah, anyway, easily. easily, easily. Right, thanks, boys. Thanks for your predictions. Omar, can I just mention one thing before we go? Oh, yes, yeah, the we're Grealish for, anniversary. We're, we're forgetting it's the two-year anniversary of Jack Grealish destroying yeah. Blues on their own patch. Yeah. Ha- I think we at least have to, we, happy we at least have, to have a moment of remembrance for that, right? Happy St. Jack's Day, everyone. Yeah. Happy St. Jack's Day, yeah. Cheers. Best Cheers. day of my life. Well, now I delete, I delete the uh, best day of my life bit on the uh, the theme tune. Maybe I need to put it back in. Well, you oh, should really? put it, you should put it in just specially today. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will put it back in just for this episode, uh, just for this special first pre-match social. Uh, looking forward to the game on uh, on Friday night. We'll be back, obviously, uh, with the lockdown lowdown. Hopefully, we'll be talking about a win and getting back uh, back to winning ways as well. Um, but Chadzi and Jugsy will probably be back there joining me again to talk through the match. But thanks again, boys, for your time. Pleasure as always. Really interesting uh, views on the Newcastle game. Some uh, some interesting stats from our Stato. Look out for Meg's Watch. Uh, it'll be a regular segment on our show, I'm sure. And, uh, and some good uh, trips down memory lane there as well. So thanks again, boys. Thanks for listening, guys. As always, please do subscribe and follow us on whatever podcast platform you're on. Um, and please do uh, follow us on Twitter at Villa Podcast, all one word. We're on other social media channels as well. We don't really use them though, so uh, Twitter is our main one. But please do follow us on there. And thanks again for listening. Thanks to the boys and up the villa. I love it. Manu bahut changa lagda.